Stephanie Schaefer, and you're listening to the North Star Narrative, a podcast from North Star Academy. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and motivated by what you learned today. Enjoy the story. Hey guys, welcome to the show. So excited that you can join us today, and I'm thrilled to be able to introduce to you one of my new friends, Rachel Brownfield Goodwin. She is an incredible storyteller, and you can really see the joy and just the power and the freedom of Jesus on her life. So I cannot wait for you to hear some of her stories. She's going to talk today about how um, God just delivered her from unforgiveness and um, spoke to her um, through a country song. She's going to talk about the medical field and the path that she has chosen and, and give some tips and advice on um you know, having people come around you and, and help you figure out where you're going. She's also um, a brand new mom. She's married to Stephen and has a brand new baby boy, Elliot. He's seven months old. So that means she was pregnant and gave birth during the pandemic. So you're going to get to hear a little bit about that. And um, I'm just super thrilled that she is here. So thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Yes. Yeah, so um, I wanted to start a little bit about your brand new baby, Elliot, Um, being pregnant in the pandemic and having a baby. What was that like? Did you have any scary moments or um, just share the story with us? Yes. So uh, it was around, so the pandemic here um, started around March, beginning of March. Um, And so I had found out that I was pregnant in December. So just a few months before the pandemic rolled around and my husband ended up getting COVID. He was the second one in DeSoto County, the county where we live, um, because he was playing basketball at a gym where other people were at at the Y. And it was before every precaution was laid down and like really restrictions were placed. And so um, we didn't know what this was. Like no one did. And so everyone was just kind of in turmoil of like, okay, what do you do? Like, do you, what, how do you treat it? And so my husband actually is, um, would be considered like a high risk patient because he has heart disease. And so his cardiologist, um, we had just seen him and he would have been contagious at the time that he would have seen the heart doctor. And the heart doctor was like, I don't know what to do. I'm, <laughs> I'm contacting all these infectious disease people. And so it turns out like, we'll just, it, w- it really required us to trust the Lord because, and not rely on our own wisdom. Um, even because we had, there was none. You know, there was no medical, like, this is how it works. This is what you do. Um, and so just kind of putting it before the Lord required you to just continue be on your knees and pray and ask the Lord to bring his healing. And so he did. He had, um, he had some of the symptoms that were more of the moderate and, you know, like that shortness of breath. We had to put him on oxygen for a little while. Since being a PA, I, I was my uh, husband's caretaker during that time. And I had the equipment because I work at a facility where we have all the a lot of the treatments that we would need. Um, and so, I mean, there was some, you know, long days for him as well. Um, but the Lord recovered him and I didn't know how it was going to be because I was pregnant. 
And I was like, pregnancy with COVID. I just, and I was right there. I'm like, I should have, I should have gotten it, but the Lord like protected Elliot inside of me and I didn't. And so the Lord, it took Stephen like, um, about three to four weeks to recover. But the Lord recovered him, and he has had no, like, long-term sequela, and his heart was fine. It was stable, and so it didn't affect his heart. And so it was really, truly, like, a miracle all around. Um, so that was our first scare during the pregnancy. <laughs> and then um, it was hard because, like, every appointment, so here where we're at— um, with medicine here, um, you know, you go to your routine OB appointments and no one can go with you. So it's not like it used to like, oh, have the family come in. Like everyone's welcomed. It's very much like, you know, where you're masked, you're the only one in. We get you in and out. They limit a lot of, you know, limit visits. So to, you know, prevent the spread of COVID. Um, and so that was a little lonely at times. Um, and then I had to go to, because of Stephen's heart, they wanted to test him, test Elliot, you know, just to look at his heart. Um, so I had to go to a special doctor, a, uh, a fetal medicine doctor. And so, um, it was even like, he couldn't even step into the waiting room. It was just so restricted. And just, so this whole process, like, you know, was just a, a little lonely because I, it was usually moments where your husband like loves to celebrate with you in it. Um, but the Lord got us through and I was, I was working up until, and that was another, when do I stop working? Like, because I would continuously uh, put myself at risk because I treated COVID patients. So it was one of those things that just asking the Lord wisdom of, you know, once you're in your third trimester, you're more at risk, you're a high risk because you have this baby inside of you that's pushing up on your lungs. So how will you do if you do get it? Um, and so I ended up, the Lord kind of answered that um, prayer because I ended up um, going up until like 36 weeks. And then it was getting hard just to bend down because I do a lot of um, wound care. I work at a geriatrics facility in Memphis, uh, Tennessee. And so I just drive on up and um, go into people's homes where, you know, they they welcome you in their apartment. It's like a 200-patient uh, apartment retirement home. And so we, we keep, we try to keep the healthy healthy and then the sick, we kind of quarantine them and then we wear all our PPE and treat them, kind of see, watch them daily during COVID. So we try to prevent them from going into the hospital. We had oxygen therapy and, you know, other therapies that we, we would need there. Um, but. It was hard because you're trying not to spread it in a very close proximity to other geriatrics patients that are very high risk. But I ended up, um, Elliot decided he was going to come a little earlier because I had something called preeclampsia. Um, and so my blood pressures would, uh, were elevated. Um, at one of my just routine OB appointments, she's like, you're going to be delivering today. And oh I God. was like, what? I'm not ready for this, but who's ready for, when, when will you really be ready to have a baby? That's what I'm learning, so, or what I learned. Um, so then I said, okay, Stephen, I called him up. He's working from the house because uh, he does IT. 
And so I was like, we have to go to the hospital today. And so sure enough, I was induced. And then a day later is when I had Elliot. He was still full term, but a little bit earlier than what we expected. So, um, but he was very healthy, uh, seven pounds, seven ounces. And he, during the hospital stay, one person could be in the room with you. And so Stephen, of course, was in the room. Um, they tried to make sure there was no visitors in the waiting room. Um, we had to wait a little bit to, for a room to get ready because I was like, they had to um, induce me. And so they weren't ready. So we kind of stayed in the waiting room, just the two of us for like a few hours until we waited until we got back there. Um, and then he can only go out. He only was allowed to go out one time to get food or whatever he needed to limit. And then he would have fever checks and like a temp check. They would test both of us on the, they test both of us on the front end for COVID to make sure we weren't spreading it to the nurses or the techs or anyone coming in the room. Um, and then we had our one nurse, which she was great. The Lord gave us a sweet, sweet nurse. Um, and so she, I, I, thankfully she's like, you don't have to wear your mask during childbirth. And so I was like, thank you. <laughs> so she let you wear hers and I was allowed to take off my mask. Um, so it was just interesting looking back in your, you know, it, I was thankful that Stephen was allowed to be there because I don't know, it would be very hard, um, if you weren't. Um, so it was really a fun, it was story, a fun yeah. journey and I can't wait to share it with Elliot. Like the Lord got us through. That provided uh, so many mm-hmm. different ways. He sure did. Yeah. The mask off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're in the medical field. Yes. So when did you decide or when did you know that was the path you wanted to take? So my family is, um, there are several that are in the medical field. And so it's kind of exposed early on what it looks like to take care of people and and patients. So my mom's an RN, um, and her grandfather was a surgeon. Uh, I was always exposed to the medical field, and so I just thought that was really would be a great opportunity to serve people in that way, um, where I just felt it was more natural. So grew up in church, but wasn't following Jesus while at church. Um, but there were missionaries that would always come to our church that were medical missionaries to all different places. And for some reason, the Lord just really put that on my heart. Like, look how big the world is and how God loves to use his children and loves to use people to serve others in that capacity to show them their, his healing. And so I always thought that was like, oh, that's really neat. I'd love to do something along those, you know, those lines. Um, and so that's, that's still later on down the road that, that, you know, the Lord putting that on my heart came back because I went to a PA school, a physician assistant school, um, that was very mission focused. And so I was able to go to Haiti which was a really neat experience and um, serve people medically that in that capacity. Yeah. I, I had had it on my list to be a medical missionary and then got to college and didn't do so well in chemistry. Oh. Um, I love the life sciences yes. really a lot, but um, so I end up, yeah, taking different paths, but did you have that experience? So when you started college, the courses you took? Um, yeah. So I started biology. So you can go to do 
pre-medical or, and there's a lot of different ways to do pre-medical allied health is a new kind of field that you do. You can go to PA physician assistant that way as well. Um, or really any other medical sciences, you can do different routes. Um, so trying to pick of what, okay, what do I want to do here um, that would find interesting for four years to do while in in that way to get me to where I want to go. Um, so I chose biology because I do like the life sciences as well. I took botany, I took ecology, um, uh, and, uh, zoology. And so that was a lot of fun and I really appreciated it. I liked it more than I thought it was going to, but I did also like chemistry and organic chemistry. And I didn't, I wasn't, exp- I took that in high school, of course, as just, you know, your general course, but it was very different in college than it was in high school. And I really appreciated the difference there. Um, so I never had to take physics as well. So, um, which I was, you know, thankful for because physics is just more on the engineering side of things, in my opinion. Um, but the, the difference was in, I went to college thinking that I was going to go to medical school. And the Lord changed that for me about my junior year. I had to start deciding, okay, what do I, really want to be doing, like, um, because it's going to start affecting me from junior or senior year of where I'm going to go afterwards for grad school. Um, And so I talked to two of my, I had a biology professor who was an an ER doc for 20 years um, at a big level one trauma center. And so I just pulled her aside one day and got lunch with her and um, I said, you know, looking back, what would you, is there something that you regretted? Um, or you would do differently, like if you were in where you were at for college. And she just said, Rachel, do you want, um, do you want a family? And I said, yeah, I do want a family. And she said, well, not that the, the Lord can't give me a family now, but I realized my desire to be a mom um, and working in some capacity as a mom really was hard for being an ER doc for so many years because I couldn't do that because I was, my family was the emergency room, you know, and she said, that's something I think I regret now. And so she said, you know, if you're thinking about it, she said, prayerfully, as you're praying about what the Lord, how the Lord wants to use you in your life, um, do you want a family? And so I was like, yeah, I do you know, I would. And she said, well, then you can still work in the medical field. I'm not saying you can't. Just know, like, how many hours you're going to be putting in. And if you do want a family, maybe there's a profession that you can meet that's middle in the middle where you're putting in maybe long hours or you can limit your hours, but you're not doing all this work on the back end where all you're doing is work, work, work. You go home and work because you're catching up from work. And so she said, do you want that? And then she said, I want you to follow two people. I want you to follow, you know, my physician friend. And then I want you to follow um, a PA. And I was like, what's a PA? And so then I followed a PA who had been practicing for 30 years doing sports medicine in an ortho practice. I noticed some of the differences right away when, you know, I followed both of like, is this something I really want to do? 
when I was working with one and all the, you know, because it's, it, it is different. There is a, there's more responsibility for a physician than there is a PA. Now you can be liable as a PA, of course, and you have to, you know, you have you know, your malpractice insurance and you got to make sure you are keeping up with your patients with all the paperwork that comes afterward. So it's not you just seeing the patient for 30 minutes and saying, okay, I'll see you later. I'll see you next week or whenever. But you have all the all the insurance stuff that comes in and you have to sign for it. Oh, that prescription's not covered by insurance. Okay, we got to find another one. So you're always doing a lot more work and checking off on labs than than you the patient realizes. So just know, you know, just know that going in is um, following somebody to really see exactly what what they do is actually more helpful than just looking on the internet and being and saying like, oh, this is something I can do. These tasks I can do. But actually, what does that look like? Yeah, in what's the big really picture? behind mm-hmm. the, the background? Yeah, yes. what's behind the scenes. So that's awesome that. You had that friend and yes. you could go to. Yes, that's really good advice, no matter if you're heading to the medical field or mm-hmm. any field, to mm-hmm. spend time with people that are in the field that you're interested in. Yeah, yeah. shadow them. Yes. Intern with them, whatever mm-hmm. you can do. Get that experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely, before you make a decision. And it's always okay if you don't know exactly what you want to do. It is. Pray about it and God will lead you mm-hmm. in His perfect timing. Don't try to, to rush that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love uh your stories and oh, everything well. that you've been yeah, exposed to. That's really good. Okay. So while you were in college, you played soccer. I did. So you were an athlete and um, I know balancing athletics and studies, especially probably in the medical field can be challenging. So looking back, kind of like you ask the mm-hmm. other lady, looking back, what did you do well and mm-hmm. what maybe would you have done different trying to be an athlete and a, st- a student? Good question. Um, what did I do well? So it really, um, as an athlete, it really depends on how well as you're going in, in like, as I was doing biology and you're looking at your schedule of like, how, how is this all going to get done? You know, cause you look at your game schedule and you look at your practice and your weight schedule. You look at, cause you have to lift so many weights and you have to do all these things on the back end to keep you conditioned for the game. And then you look at your, you know, your academic schedule and you're like, okay, let me see how I can fit this in. And so really trying to figure out how you best learn, how you, how do you study? I think that's the big thing that you learn in college. I mean, in high school, you learn it as well, but you're, you're really forced to maximize that in college. Um, and so when I was there, I had to, so I, we were on the bus a lot as an athlete because you're going to all these various games, um, really out of state, you know, or, and then at nights you're in a hotel getting ready for the game in the morning. And so during that time, I think I learned, um, the best way to study was when not on a bus because I get car sick. And so I had to learn and we were hours in the, in the bus. And so my best way of catching up on sleep was sleeping on the bus um, and then hanging out with my team. That was my community. That was my family. Um, and so that time on the bus was a break from the, like the academics for me. And so then when we were actually off the bus, that's when I said, no, I, 
I got my sleep in. I need to start studying. So when we were not moving is when I was studying as well. So I started, I didn't do that great at first because I was trying to like push through it. And then I learned, why am I fighting it? If I can just learn how to just adjust a little bit. And so that really helped. I would say it took me like a whole season to really get that down of how I best learn. But then sophomore, junior, and senior were much better in that regards. So you have to know yourself. Yep. Know yourself. Know what works best for you. And also trial and error. You know, it's not going to be perfect. And you're just going to have to be start slowly being a little comfortable about like, let me try this. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Like, give yourself some grace. Dedication. Mm-hmm. I can see that was mm-hmm. total dedication to do really well in athletics in school. So think back to high school. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you wish you knew in high school to prepare you for what was coming in college? Mm. I would say um, academically, don't be afraid to learn something that you're not used to. Because it might be an area that the Lord really wants to use in your life and gear you to something that you are like, oh, I can't do that. But remember, it's in the Lord's strength that He wants to use you in because His grace is sufficient. And so, like, even in things, even if it's like a language, you know, and you're like, oh, no, I won't need that. Or, oh, it's okay. Like, try it. You know, who knows, like, you, like, for me— Specifically, I'm glad I did four years of Spanish in high school because at first I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is maybe not a waste of time, but I thought, how beneficial can this really be to have the four years? Like most high schools, I don't know here, but in Ohio where I'm from, you at least had to take two years. And so the the remainder two years was really just developing your skills as a Spanish speaker. And I was so thankful that I decided to like push through and say, I want to continue that because I have Spanish speaking patients. And so being able to use that foundation, it is so helpful. There's nothing like walking into a room and you being able to speak Spanish to someone who can understand it in their language and then in our PA school, we actually had to do a Spanish uh, medical class um, because we had such a high Hispanic population in the Nashville area, and they wanted us to use it. And so being able to apply then medicine to to language was like, it was crucial. And okay. so now I can, and, and it's great, the smile that comes on their face to know that, oh, like they understand me and they can listen and then they can help me break down what's going on to me where I'm comfortable. Good. Um, so, yeah, you never know how God is preparing you mm-hmm. in the moment you're in. Nothing is wasted. I like to say that yep. a lot. Nothing's wasted no matter what it feels like yes. in the moment or how hard it um, might be. Okay, and right along with that, I love that you wrote down some things in your journey that you've learned, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Yeah. That is my favorite verse, so I loved when you wrote it down, and I use it most often. Um, Do you want to quote that for us? Sure. And then talk a little bit about how that has impacted your life. Sure. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and he will make your path straight. Um, and so in my life, as 
Um, so there was a time in my life that I wasn't following Jesus and the time then that like Jesus met me, um, as he was pursuing me and my life as a high schooler. Um, and he trans and men meeting him and saying, Jesus, I want to make you king and I want to follow you and I want to trust you. Um, it did like trust the Lord shows you how to trust him. He doesn't just leave you, you know, high and dry to be like, okay, you, you know, good luck. You know, there's no, no such thing. Like he comes beside you and says, here, I want to show you how much you're loved. I want to show you that I'm faithful. He loves to show his character and he wants to hold your hand as you walk through your journey of life and say, let me show you I don't want you to go ahead of me. I don't want you to go behind me. I want to walk with you. And so that's where that, that trust, having faith and instead of like walking by faith and not by sight. And sometimes it's going to look scary. It's going to look confusing, but Jesus is able. He is mighty and you can trust his character. He's not nervous. He's not shaken. He is stable. And so to remind yourself of that truth over and over because he's trustworthy. He is good. And so um, the Lord showed me how to trust him day by day more and more. And the way to do that is as you're praying, as you're spending time in his word to get to know him and to worship him. Um, as he is. Um, and so that, that trust is in small decisions and in big decisions. It's, but it's momentary throughout the day as well. Um, so in my own life, there were things that the Lord was asking me like to surrender and give to him so that he could, he can freely flow through me and use me instead of just like, oh, no, I'm going to let you have this area, but not this area of my life. But he's like, I want it all. Like, and he's, and, you know, even the mess. I want the mess. I, I love to redeem and restore the mess. And there are areas in my life, and specifically just my, um, just a lot of family brokenness that I, that I came from. And, um, still have a lot of family dysfunction, but the Lord loves to show himself mighty in that, in that he is the great restorer of relationships that feel like they are far gone, but they're not. Um, he loves, he's in the business of doing miracles. And so tell us a little bit about how um, he delivered you from unforgiveness yes. and what that was related to and how he spoke to you through a country song. Yes. So, I was um, about 16, um, and I, I used to ride horses, um, and so it was actually my, um, it was my way to get away from the world. Um, I needed something that was beyond, I could go back to the barn and just get in my, my, my niche. I could just like feel like I didn't have the weight of the world on me, and so it was my escape really from the, the brokenness of my family. So I didn't feel like I could, there was just a lot of, um, just strife in the family. Um, so my, my parents fought a lot all the time. Um, and it was just, there was a lot of negativity. 
And so going to the barn where you could just talk to your horse was like the best thing you could do. (laughs) And so, um, so I was going, I was getting off my horse, yet the, you know, take off the saddle, brush them. And so I was going into the tack room and putting the, the saddle back on the, the, um, the rack. And so this song perfectly timed came on over the radio, always listen to country music. And I was like, Oh, this is a new one. Let me just stop and listen to it. And the song was I Love You This Much by Jimmy Wayne. It's, he's a song artist. And um, he. it was about this little boy um, in this country song who grew up to hate his father because his father was more interested in drugs and women than he was him. And so this boy grew up to be bitter and hateful, and he never saw his dad, but his dad ended up passing away. And the thing that he brought to um, his funeral was his dad's lighter, because that's all he had of him. And so he lays it down on the casket, and he looks up, this little boy does, and he sees for the very first time um, that he hadn't been unloved or alone all his life, because nailed to the cross for the whole world to see was Jesus' arms stretched out as wide as they could be. And he realized he hadn't, like, he was seeking the wrong love. He was already loved. And so, um, in that moment, God, like, spoke to me. Like, it was clear as day. Like, he was in the room. And he was just like, Rachel, he said, I love your dad, the person that I had a lot of unforgiveness for. I had hatred for. Um, And I love your dad as much as you. And I died on the cross for you just as much as I died on the cross for your dad. And he said, you can choose to forgive like I have forgiven you of all your sins. And he said, might not be easy, but I want you to trust that I will do it and I can give you a new life. And I want you to know you are loved and I see you. And so he said, I'll give you, you choose forgiveness or you can be the bitter old woman the rest of your life. And so I, I chose to, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to learn to forgive like you have forgiven me. And so the situation actually got harder, but he totally changed me. And so, and I learned, I for, I forgave like the, it was process, but the Lord was teaching me how my unforgiveness was such like it was poison. And so the Lord, he like, I was this bitter kind of angry teenager. And then in the the next, I mean, he grew me in the next even like six months specifically. I remember he, that like I started smiling, like he just gave me joy to look at a situation even when it got worse. Such a powerful testimony of just God's grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his forgiveness and yes. freedom because Jesus is freedom. Yes. I, I like to ask him people sometimes what is the one word that would sum up jesus and to me it's just freedom because mm. it's freedom you mm-hmm. know and people that are in bondage right now yes and you know if you are whether it's unforgiveness yep. or whatever mm-hmm. you're hanging on to i had the same thing where literally did you feel like it was a brick like this heavy oh, weight yes. in your chest and i remember saying i'm not going to forgive this person until i see you yeah. take revenge on them god i mean literally i was yeah. like i want to see you punish them mm-hmm. discipline them then i'll forgive them and God's like, that's not up to you. And it may, you may, it doesn't matter if you ever see it or not. You don't know yeah. what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's just had to be the trust. And mm-hmm. as soon as I said, okay, God, you're right, and trusted him, complete freedom from that yes. heaviness and bondage. Mm-hmm. It's like he takes that poison out of you. Yeah. 
And instead, he brings, he breathes his life in you. Yeah, because um, it's just destroying mm-hmm. to you. It's really more than probably the person you're not it is. forgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is, wow, love it. So powerful to hear testimony of Jesus. And I can just hear in you how I know that you're making disciples with what God has done in your life. And I know you love discipleship and how important it is to pour into other people so that they can pour into other people. So tell us um, a little bit how you're making disciples in your life right now. Sure. So there's a a few girls that the Lord has put in my life um, that uh, I just love. Um, and the way he does it, it's, it's been great because, um, I think through that. So since my, you heard a little bit of my story there of how the Lord totally got a hold of my life. And so during that 16 to, um, 16 to college, I, I went to church, but with new eyes because Jesus gives you new eyes. Um, but I didn't still have someone who just, came beside me. And I really, that's one thing that I would have loved, like looking back in my life of, let's look what it looks like to follow Jesus day by day. Not just go to a, not just go to a place and be like, okay, I'm going to read this for, you know, an hour at, at um, Sunday school, which is great, but you need to do that. That's, that's a habit and a pattern that I want all of you to have daily, how to look at the Bible, how to study the Bible what it means to have that close relationship with Jesus and that prayer time to be rooted like Psalm 1, to be rooted alongside the river bank, you know, because that river is the Word of God. And you want to be that tree that always has leaves. And so— um, that's one thing that the Lord provided in college because that was a, a, an, it was an answer to prayer. Um, and so one of the captains of the college team, my college team actually came beside me and that's where the first time I was actually discipled. Like really where I, I felt like we were in the word, we were accountable to the word together, accountable to sisters. How, how is life going? Just highs and like real, like real good stuff as you come beside and apply the word of God to it. Because the Lord wants to, like, come beside you. And, like, He wants all the real stuff. He doesn't just want, like, oh, just, like, there's that perfect answer. You know, He wants you to really know Him and be known by Him and then use that in your life to bring Him glory and to be—because all of that's worship. All of life can be worship. That's whether we choose to, in that worship war, if we put Him first— um, and so in college, I, I experienced that and that was so life-giving. And I said, Lord, I want to have you use me in that later on in my life or now, however you want to. And so our, um, the college soccer team, it was, so it's a Christian college, Cedarville University. Um, and so that was a great opportunity to go and learn because you also minored in Bible. So you had to, so getting that exposure of what studying the word, you know, and then also applying it in your life as, you know, someone comes beside you on the soccer team is what we always try to do. Follow that pattern is you get someone who's younger than you and then pull them aside and be like, hey, let's walk with Jesus together. And then really that way that, um, like they don't feel alone. They don't feel like they're just in college, just, you know, dragging. Um, but someone coming beside them and saying, I'm your friend, you know, I'm family to you. Um, 
And so that I got to be able to do the same thing with someone who had come up, you know, was a, once I was a junior or a sophomore as a freshman and, you know, a junior was a sophomore. Anytime when we really try to match people up and that was really helpful. And then, um, and then in, in grad school, um, there were just opportunities to kind of come beside people, whether that's, um, even my classmates who I, it was ended up being my roommate that, um, she didn't, she didn't know she was going to, um, church, but she didn't know Jesus. Like she didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And she, she realized like her, her need of Jesus, um, and how much, what she was missing out on. Um, and so coming beside her and then as we were living together was great. And then now as well as being able to disciple young, the Lord has put in some young ladies in my life that I get to, you know, come beside as well. Um, and there's uh, a few girls who um, actually the Lord has brought and who didn't know Jesus and are now following Jesus from all different backgrounds. And we have a girls club on Tuesday nights where we're looking at what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, we call it some commands of Christ. What are some key things that Jesus says are good to do as followers of Jesus? Um, and then walking in obedience in that um, and spending time with him in his word. And praying, and then keeping each other account- loving, loving accountability. Just the community mm-hmm. that you're not alone. Yes, because the enemy likes to isolate mm-hmm. and make you think you're alone. Yes, yeah. So having that come around, that's that's really good. And I love how the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Um, you said that you love seeing the worship of Jesus in places and people where there was not worship of Him previously. And that's what we're called to do, to go yes. to all the nations, whether yep. you're someplace where he's bringing the nations to you yep. or you're physically going to nations to share Jesus, but not just to leave them in that, to disciple them yes. and teach them how mm-hmm. to study, how to know him. It says he's given you authority, right? So it doesn't mean you're like, oh, well, it can't be me because I don't have a degree in that. No, like, because like immediately Jesus qualifies you because of his cross and resurrection. So not only freedom that we talked about, but power. Yes. The power of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus told his disciples when he was here on earth that mm-hmm. he's going, so someone much greater is, can come, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, that power that we have in us. You don't have to yes. figure out what to say. Yes. You don't have to figure out where to go. He is going to lead you back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 when you trust in him mm-hmm. with all your heart. So mm-hmm. I love how all this is circled back to, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just all about Jesus, no matter if you're picking your college, yep. if you're in high school mm-hmm. trying to figure out why does this even matter, yep. or if you are in the medical field or whatever yep. field you choose, he is leading you and guiding you. He's going to put people all around you, just like he has yes. done for Rachel yes. to give wisdom. And it um, said, you know, someone had mentioned this, or actually, no, my husband says this a lot of, you know, asking the Lord, what are you doing, Lord, and how can I be a part of it? Instead of vice versa, where you're saying, Lord, I want to do this, bless this. Instead of like, no, like, I want to worship you. So what are you doing? And show me so I can jump on board. My husband kind of says similar thing. He's like, acknowledge God. Mm -hmm. Like, look around, see where he's working and join him. I think that goes all the way back to Henry Blackaby. Yes. Uh Uh In the study, Experiencing God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that stuck with him. That was the first study he did when he became a believer. Really? So, yeah. Acknowledge. Where's Mm -hmm. God working at the moment? So, just it's about 
giving up yourself. I love when you said making Jesus king. Mm-hmm. It's all about denying yourself mm-hmm. because we don't have it figured out. Yep. And we never will. Oh no! It's giving him the ownership of your yep. life and following him. And I promise you, and I can tell by mm-hmm. Rachel's face and just the glow of his joy all over her that there's nothing more exciting mm-hmm. than following Jesus. Yes. He is worth it. He is worthy of it, too, of your praise. Well, it's so good to have you in here today just to tell your story. I know there's so much more um, in your life and what God's done, but I've loved getting to hear your stories. You're a really good storyteller. Oh, well, thank you. The Lord's grown me in that then. (laughs) So powerful. Um, Yeah, so thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have any questions for our guest or like information about Northstar, please email us at podcast at nsa.school. We love having guests on our show and getting to hear their stories. If you have anyone in mind that you think would be a great guest to feature, please email us and let us know. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming stories.